especially in something like this, where you're working with people, I don't think that you could just not have a heart and be successful here because you won't make the right decisions because your head and your heart aren't in the right spot. Hey everyone, welcome back to University. I'm Anne-Marie Chiresso, your host. On today's show, my guest is Carly Berryman, a recent graduate of GW and a social entrepreneur who is working in the world of tech and mental health by providing virtual reality experiences for seniors in retirement communities. She was truly fascinating and a really amazing young servant leader. So I'm really excited for you to hop into this episode and hear more about her. But first, I wanted to check in with you. How are you and how are your loved ones doing right now? I know this is a really, really crazy upside down time for so many of us. And it's really put an exclamation point on the importance of Carly's work in my mind, for which you're about to learn more of, because it's so vital for us to pause and take care of one another and reach out in particular to our grandparents, our elderly neighbors and elders in our communities and those who are really in need right now. While this quarantine is unprecedented and we know it will eventually come to an end and our lives will get back to whatever the new normal is. But for our elderly, this isn't necessarily true. To protect our elders, we're staying away from them, but what we most need is connection with one another. So I so love what Carly has created because she's addressing a segment of the population that we often ignore because we don't have to pay attention to them. So I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. I hope you're taking good care of yourself. And I hope you're remembering to take care of your elders. If you have grandparents in your life, even if your parents are older, um, your neighbors, community members, make sure you're pausing and paying as much attention to them as you have space and time to do so. And at first, you know, we were thinking about not running this episode because we wanted to come up with something that was more relevant. But we realized pretty quickly that Carly is doing something profoundly important that we can all learn a little bit from now more than ever. Be sure to take care of yourself. And of course, be sure to take care of the most vulnerable in our communities. Now, I want to introduce Carly. As a culture, we dismiss our seniors. We don't honor them and bring them into our lives on a regular basis. They slow us down. But what we lose when we do that is not only their wisdom, but also the opportunity to connect with people whose shoes we will one day be in. We miss the opportunity to build empathy, patience, compassion, connection, and simple kindness. It's even more apparent now during this coronavirus outbreak, we're all experiencing the kind of isolation that many older people experience every day, or in another sense, some of us are putting them at risk by refusing to social distance. Carly has created Vita Viva, a company that brings virtual reality to retirement communities and provides engaging experiences that promote brain health community fellowship, and just some plain, simple fun. In this interview, we talk about what it takes to make a company like this, 
how there's bound to be a lot of resistance along the way, and how important it is for Carly to stay true to her heart-centered mission. I'm really excited for you to meet her, so let's join the interview as Carly introduces herself to us. I want to start with you, and I want you to just give me three words you use to describe yourself. Definitely what comes to mind first is passionate. I think that's the word that people like to use to kind of wrap up, you know, dedicated, excited. Silly is maybe what comes next. Mm. Um, I don't like to take myself too seriously. And so I was trying to make jokes or just, you know, pal around with people. So um, and then I'm not sure. Is there a third word to describe me? Um, Maybe creative. You know, I like to to just kind of let my mind wander and and see where it goes. Hmm. As I did my research, I sort of think about like, who is Carly? How do I see her? What's the perception of her, right? We're so focused on perception nowadays, like our Instagram feed and our Facebook feed and our social presence. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know you until now. And what is it that I make up about you? And some of the words I used to describe you were definitely like ambitious. Okay. Um, Creative came up for me. Hmm. Heart-centered, driven. Okay. um, Disciplined. Wow. That's really kind of you. And (laughs) it's really interesting to to, um, hear someone directly tell you, you know, what their perception of you is before they meet you. It's actually a really helpful tool to have, like you said, in this... Uh, in this world today, you know, if you Google me, basically, what's the character that you build around that? Yeah, like, what's the narrative that others are making up about you as they perceive you out in the world socially? Mm-hmm. So tell our audience, tell us, because I know, but tell us what you're up to now. So now I, um, I'm working full time on a startup that brings virtual reality to seniors. It's a tech enabled services business. um, And we sell essentially virtual reality tours as an activity to retirement communities. And it's a way to bolster their activities calendar to appear attractive to their potential customers and um, for them to really engage their populations in a novel way for better mental wellness. So, um, I've been really fortunate in that I've been able to pursue this full time and quit the other jobs and things that I've been working on. It's been going well. It's really an exciting time. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. That, I mean, that's amazing and so interesting. And I can't wait for everyone to hear even more about it. But I want you to back us up a little bit mm-hmm. and take us down like the path of you know Carly's life. Like, how did you get here? So tell me a little bit, sure. you know, d- yeah. just a snapshot, a snapshot of like, how'd you get to where you are today? But I, I was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I have four siblings and we lived in a very tiny house <laughs> and um, entrepreneurship, independence, self-reliance. That was always a big part of my life and my family, our culture, if you will. And not even within my own family, but where I grew up in Oklahoma City. It's still a very much a developing city. It's like the largest small town is what some people refer to it as. The backbone of it is really, you know, small businesses and um, startups that are working there. So I've always felt that presence. But beyond that, my grandfather on my mother's side was a small business owner. He had a trucking company at one point. And then my father, he started a construction company when he was 
a teenager in order to pay for college. Ambition runs in the blood. Um, ambition or just not having a choice, maybe lack of options and but we always have a choice right i suppose so yes we do um we can choose to work with the tools that we have um which so my dad he taught himself he found some tools to make a construction company and of course it it didn't um just appear it was very slow going and it's it's not what he intended to do either when he was able to pay for college he went and studied something in biology actually so something completely different but you know it ended up being his his life track and he still owns that same construction company today of course it's um, much larger and has different arms to it very different from putting together swimming pools and sheds in people's backyards right we all have to start somewhere yeah so I've, I've definitely been inspired by that throughout my life and I've just always wanted to make something from nothing in the same way so since I was very young I can remember just trying to sell things. So first it was my parents, you know, I was like, oh, I'll wash the dishes for 50 cents. I will uh, rake the leaves, whatever. And <laughs> and they would give me like a dollar a week just to, you know, kind of learn what the value of money is and things and and kind of, you know, have something to, to work for with chores and things like that. As I got a little bit older, I started making crafts and I would just make all sorts of things and, and go around the neighborhood. I would usually recruit either my siblings or whatever neighborhood kids I could find. And I probably just annoyed everyone that I lived around (laughs) a lot because it was like once a month, several times a year, I would come around, you know, I have soap for sale. Or one time we had a newspaper um, that that didn't go. That wasn't a very successful venture. Um, Was it about the money? Were you wanting to make money? I guess that was the direct thing that I was after at the time, which, you know, I was after like $5 or whatever. Not because, well, I, I suppose I did want to, you know, buy little trinkets for myself and whatever, but I think it was more about, and I, I didn't realize this, of course, at the time, but I think it was really just about, I didn't have money before and I used my skill or my talent or just some dumb luck that I, you know, came across and leveraged correctly, and now I have money. And so I just thought that was cool, um, being able to do that. It's empowering. Yes, that's the word, definitely. Mm-hmm. From a very young age. How old were you? Like, so... 10? Yeah, probably around there. I was going to say third grade. So yeah, 8, 9, 10, something like that. My first uh, more legitimate, definitely not at all, but uh, business that I had was called Soapy Time. And I, I say that was legitimate <laughs> because this was the first time that I made business cards. <laughs> Fun. Love that. Yeah. But I learned how to make soap and I would sell it to my teachers and, you know, people at school. So was it ever scary to sell something? Did you did you have that? You know, you know how some people don't like to sell. Mm-hmm. Did you always love to sell? I'm sure there were times when I probably had to, you know, work up the courage or maybe even dreaded it a little bit, but that's not what stands out in my memory. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, natural born salesperson (laughs) there, which is an important quality to have as an entrepreneur, for sure. It has been in the work that I've done, definitely. It is a very sales intensive role. You have to be able to have that skill in order for people to support you and want to go out into the world and support the things that you're doing. You have to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, so I see that here you have, like, I'm making up here, you have a strong work ethic. Uh-huh. You're really ambitious. What other qualities do you think are important as an entrepreneur 
or the leader or a leader. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, first of all, you said that, not me. Um, <laughs> well, come on. You're like eight years old selling soapy time. That's- <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, though, you know. Yeah. But that's really what it is, is it's a genuine passion. And I think that comes even before the hard work. Well, I might want to back that up. That doesn't sound quite right to me. Um, but I think if you have the the passion for something and whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a certain business idea. It doesn't have to be something so specific, but just a, a desire. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was to build something. I didn't have the idea for Viva Vida, you know, for years. I haven't been thinking, oh, this is my great invention, my one big thing. Um, no, I just, I always had the urge to create, create and something. yes, build and something. to build something out of nothing. So that was the desire. The desire was build something out of nothing. Yes. Kind of like your dad. Yes, exactly. Interesting. So that for me, that was the driving force. And it's it's different for everyone. Um, some people, it's, it's learning. It's traveling the world. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's family or religion. There's all sorts of motivations that we have inside of us. But when you have something like that, Really, the hard work and the other traits that you need, they kind of just fall in line. As long as you're willing to be open to new opportunities and experiences, you're willing to work hard when you need to, and you're just really constantly preparing yourself, not in any strenuous way, but preparing yourself for the next opportunity, just always looking to continue to learn and develop yourself. And then the rest just follows. At least that's been my experience so far. And I haven't had a lot of it, to be clear. I mean, you've been doing it since you were eight. So you've (laughs) had a lot of experience and you've been sort of planting those seeds to set the stage for your success later in life from an early time in your life, right? Like all of those experiences were valuable learning experiences for you. And you were an entrepreneur from from the get-go, it sounds like to me. I think so. Um, That's the way that I've kind of seen it. But I also, I don't want anyone to be discouraged if they feel like, you know, I can't pinpoint exactly what is that one thing that makes me get out of bed in the morning. You know, it hasn't always been so clear for me either. What is the phrase where they say, you know, success is a hard work meeting opportunity? Yes. Yes. So it's to me, that's really what it's about is just being open and ready to put in the work when the time comes. That's uh, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about is you have found some clarity at a really young age, an early time in your career, right? Like even before you graduated college, you, you had clarity about where you're going and what you were doing. Oh, is that, I mean, that's, uh, you've been building. I'm still kind of getting that clarity too, definitely. But, um, but I mean, when did you start Vita Vita? So it started as a, as an idea, actually, when I was a sophomore in college, I started working on it again when I was a senior. So that was last year, about January, 2019. When I realized I actually wanted to make this my full-time job was about March of 2019. And I will say it got a lot harder before it got easier in terms of being sure of my path, knowing that that was what I wanted to do, and being so confident in that that I was able to get over these different hurdles that I ran into. Well, let's talk about all of that, like being sure, because we can never really be sure, right? There's a Mm -hmm. lot of unknown out there. Mm -hmm. So what was it like for you to kind of jump into the unknown? Because you didn't know what was going to happen. Yes. Um, So I think I'm very lucky in that I had a lot of influences in my life that were telling me at this time, you know, 
this is a huge transition in your life and you are right to be nervous and to be unsure of things and that's you it's should scary. embrace that moment though yeah you should embrace the unknown and you should know that it's okay to not have it figured out I feel that a lot of the people around me a lot of my peers it seemed like they were receiving pressure from other places I'm sure but we also put a lot of pressure on each other especially at a university like GW to have it figured out and and like you were saying a little bit earlier, you alluded to, you know, from the outside, having it, having it figured out and having this, this clear story of you following this line of success. And in this environment that I found myself in, there, were, there was a clear definition of success. I was in the business school. A lot of my peers were going down the consulting track. It's very, very popular. And it's very, from the outside at least, I, I've never been on the inside, but from the outside, it, it looks very glamorous. It's very, you know, high power lifestyle where recent graduates seem to be able to jump in and just almost just have this really professional, really polished looking life. So a lot of people are, are after that, and I, I don't blame them for that at all. But we sometimes look at those things and, and say, like, that's what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of comparison, a lot of comparison. And if I want to. When you feel yourself saying, oh, I don't know if that is for me or I actually kind of really am enjoying this more, it maybe makes you feel negatively, either like you're not good enough or something is wrong with you or you're just not going to be as happy as those Mm. other uh, your peers or whoever. As they look. Yes. On the outside. Yes. We Mm -hmm. don't actually know, right? Mm -hmm. And so do you think you're happy right now? Oh, I know I'm happy right now. Yeah. So how do you know? To define what happiness is to you. Oh, man. Wow. You're asking some tough questions. <laughs> um, I don't know why that's such a hard question for us all to answer. Yes. I ask people all the time, and it's a really hard one to answer. But don't you think that's something we should know for ourselves? Yes. Well, I guess I've just never thought about it in those terms. But I think for me, happiness is, is almost equated with independence. Mm. So I'm very independent right now. And well, no, we were talking about my background and where I've come from. You know, I mentioned that self-reliance and that independence, that spirit is very much, you know, wired into me. I've learned that lesson just time and time again in my life. So the chance to be independent completely, you know, I'm, I'm out of school. I don't have a boss telling me what I need to be doing every day. And there are definitely challenges and there are definitely scary things about that. But for me, I I love it. And I every day is better and better because... I'm deciding what's important to me and I'm pursuing that. And when you have something like that, you just, I get out of bed, I jump out of bed early in the morning and I work all day and I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, I don't even know if I'm answering your question. Now, well, but. so like <laughs> one of the qualities I think that you're pointing at that create happiness in your life right now, right? Because mm-hmm. this is right Mark, now. it can change. That's any, true. But right now it's independence. Yes. And I'm also hearing you say like, I'm putting this word in your mouth so you can correct me, but like having passion for what I do or feeling excited. Like I heard you say I jump out of bed in the morning Mm -hmm. because you feel excited and aligned with what you're doing and what you get to do in the world. And that's that's exciting. That's fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that's happiness to me. Yeah. What would you say for those like yourself who's early in their career, just graduating or maybe even not just graduated, maybe like 20 years down the road, but who haven't quite found that thing for themselves yet. What would you say to them 
about their path to finding the thing? I would say don't don't worry about it too much. You know, um, it's going to come to you if you are just open and ready for it. So in the meantime, explore spaces that interest you. Follow things that you're curious about. Jump down rabbit holes. Just go out and learn and develop yourself. Try something new. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Now I'm just listing cliches. Yeah. But, you but, know, do that. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. But well, what I heard you say is be open, which I think yes. that's a really important thing. And I want to talk about this real quickly because what you're doing with Vita Vita, I think, is really amazing. And I'm not sure that our listeners clearly understand it. So I want to I want you to speak to it for a moment. Mm-hmm. But before you do that, when you speak to it, wrap this um, question up in your answer, which is. Um, because you work with seniors and you're young mm-hmm. and, you know, that's not the most glamorous choice to make at 22 <laughs> years old, working with senior citizens. As a matter of fact, in our culture, we pay very little attention mm-hmm. to senior citizens. So was it scary for you to choose an entrepreneurship, a career path that involves senior citizens? And then you've taken like technology and merged it with senior citizens, which is so fascinating. So yeah, like what made you choose that path and was there fear around that for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll start by just saying a little bit, you know, detailed of what we actually do day mm-hmm. to day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're a service company and so we work with communities. They choose a subscription plan with us. It's typically monthly sessions. Um, but so once a month we'll send someone to their community and um, it's a facilitator. It's Truthfully, it's it's typically myself at yeah. this point, and so I'll I'll go out and I bring headsets and I bring uh, preloaded content that we've curated for this group that it's senior friendly, and it's really it's not just about the technology, although that VR has so many benefits to offer seniors, from improved mental health, you know, alleviating chronic pain and that sort of thing, to just generally improved cognitive wellness. It's not just about the technology. It's also about the experience of having me come in and I'm a friendly face uh, after a few first sessions, you know. It's not that I'm trying so hard. It's that I have a genuine interest in getting to know them and learning about their stories. And so I love going in and saying, you know, hey, how's it going? Hi, Nancy. Hi, Bernice. Hi, Ralph. You know, and seeing them again. I get them comfortable with VR and I get them comfortable with today's experience. And then we'll just do a tour and I'll pack it up and leave. So it's a good solution for the seniors who um, need a fresh activity and a fresh face and mm-hmm. someone to talk to, quite frankly. And it's a good solution for the communities that, that need to serve that need. So that's what we actually do. And But how did you get the idea? Yeah. So And why seniors? For me, I, I it's interesting. I know it is a bit odd, especially in like this day and with others from my generation. Um, But I've always just had a really deep respect and connection for Mm. our elders. Everyone on this world really knows something that we don't, and there's something to learn from them. We should try to learn that from them. Mm. But with seniors especially, they've they've had such storied lives. You know, whatever. They had their own experience. Yeah, they have their own lessons. They've had their own trials and tribulations and that's resulted in a lot of experience and so they have so much to share Mm -hmm. with us so much to continue to give and we're doing a bit of an injustice to them and to ourselves by just ignoring them and not giving them that chance to contribute 
because we'd really all be better off if they had that chance. So we do ignore our elders yes. in this culture. Like we dismiss them. Totally. And we are like it's lost wisdom. Mm-hmm. We are missing out. Yeah. We are totally missing out. And there's a way in which like we as a culture, like I said, we've dismissed the seniors and we've disregarded them and we don't pay attention to them and we don't honor them and we don't bring them into our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's a real loss for for all of us. Yes. And you can say, you know, you can look at things like, okay, boomer, and you could think about how previous generations, or you can argue really that previous generations, you know, they wrecked the environment, they wrecked the economy. Those are, you know, serious qualms, but when you get down to it, these people are your grandparents. They're even your parents. And one day you are going to be old and out of touch as well. Also, they don't really have a, a voice to speak up. There aren't, um, they don't have that power anymore. So it's easy and to it's just depressing. to ignore them. They're, yeah. They're feeling disconnected from us, from their families, from, from others. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there's a lot of depression and mental health issues. Definitely. Yes. So that's something that we are working to solve or to at least assist with. But that's another thing about the current uh, generation of older adults specifically is that they came from a time where mental health had more stigma around it and it wasn't really taken seriously at all. So they're a lot less likely to to say, hey, even to their family, like, I feel lonely day to day. Mm -hmm. I feel a lack of purpose and meaning. And I'm beginning to feel even depressed. They wouldn't recognize the signs of real late life depression or serious clinical depression even. And there's a lot of dismissal of all that. Like back in the day, Mm -hmm. it was like, well, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. We didn't address mental health issues, you know, years ago in the way that we're addressing them now. Yes. Especially with elder adults. Yeah. It's just always been a part of aging, even though, um, people like myself might be awakening to that, they still don't realize that this is a real and serious threat. To me, that entire picture is just not right. How are they responding to, <laughs> to the technology? 99% of them love it. Um, that's not a real stat, but you know, about 9 out of 10 seniors, they love it. They go crazy for it. They're like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm never going to leave. I'm never coming down from here. And then there's the one-off that, you know, doesn't understand. Like, it's just like, I don't, I'd rather watch TV. (laughs) I mean, that's fine, you know, or occasionally there are some other problems like you will experience nausea and that's um, just part of VR. So we'll take, you know, what we can get here. But yeah, generally it's overwhelmingly positive and we haven't run a, a, a strict clinical trial by any means, but we've done some different case studies and we found that very high numbers, 90% plus would say they feel stimulated by VR. They feel a sense of renewed meaning and um, they feel just happier and more joyful after trying VR. And then 100%, like literally everyone says they would try it again. Yeah, so. that's amazing. So that's funny that you say that because I was sitting here thinking about what you're doing and my mind is going, well, what she's really selling is joy. Right. Your mission feels really heart-centered to me. Hmm. And I'm wondering if you think that it's important as a leader and an entrepreneur to lead with your heart. That's a tough question um, because I think a lot of people in my in the entrepreneurship community would maybe say no. And that that's 
almost a detriment or a vulnerability to lead with your heart. And we should think more in terms of dollars and cents. And um, But what about you? What do you think? Because that's what you're doing. Yeah, I think uh, I think you can't really be successful in the long term. And of course, there are companies that do that are just cold and calculated and are very successful. That's, But I, I especially in something like this, where you're working with people, I don't think that you could just not have a heart and be successful here because you won't make the right decisions because your head and your heart aren't in the right spot. What does it mean to you for your head and your heart to be in the right spot or Mm -hmm. connected? Well, if I was just out here to make a buck, I, you know, you could sell, you could, um, you could take this a, a very different way and you could make it kind of like a more, a very less effective tool here but you could sell vr as this big flashy gimmick you know people uh the timing is right where you would get people on board that way and you could kind of just put something in their hands and just you know get out of there and leave them to figure it out or you know just let them deal with the challenges that you know that they will run into with it or you can sell a low fidelity product if you're not thinking about what's best for your user and your customer and you're not genuinely interested in solving their problems and answering their needs, then you're not going to design something that will fit those needs logically. And while that might work for a bit and you might be even a front runner, you might get all the fame for for this very successful money-making operation that Mm. you have, but it's not going to last. It's not going to be sustainable because if you don't, I don't have a lot of evidence to base this on, frankly, but I just genuinely believe, you know, good things will happen to good people. And if you're if you're trying to take advantage of someone and and not be a a good person, then, you know, you're kind of kind of get that back at some some point in some way. So you're still listening. So it's highly likely that you're really into this podcast. And it's even likelier that you're a curious person who wants to dig deeper. I am really excited to announce the launch of my online membership meditation community for young people. Each week we gather live online. Yes, I said live. And we practice together. Each 30-minute call begins with a short meditation, which is followed by some live coaching from me. And we end with some Q&A. Look, we all spend so much time online disconnecting from each other. This is the opportunity to spend some time connecting together, building our self-awareness, becoming more conscious, and simply feeling better. Don't miss out. To register now for your free trial, head over to annemarietereso.me or text MEDITATE to 474747. And I'll be on the lookout for you. Welcome back to university. You're listening to my conversation with Carly Berryman. We've been talking about respecting your elders, heart-centered leadership, and Carly's genuinely useful virtual reality company for seniors called Vita Viva. Let's get back into the conversation as we talk about the always popular topic of money.
Do you think making money is important? I mean, I think it's important in in the unfortunate sense that it makes the wheels of this world turn and we can't really participate in the world and society without making some money. So that's never really been my dream to, you know, exit this company with a million dollar, millions of dollars uh, on a deal or something like that. I mean, can I kind of slip into that fantasy and think about what that would be like? Certainly, anyone can. But would it be okay if it if that were the result? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I think it's just what you do with it, what you choose to do with things like that that come your way, that kind of dictate. You know, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Because. I hate to say this, but I think, you know, we don't really have a choice um, in participating in that part of the world. We have to, if we want to participate, we have to kind of engage with, with money and the chase of money. Yeah. It's too bad, really, but... I notice a lot of heart-centered leaders have difficulty coming to terms with wealth and abundance mm-hmm. and their mission and vision, right? Like there's there's this way in which we hold it. <laughs> Like, we can't have them together, yeah. but it's not okay. Well, I haven't encountered any wealth and abundance as of yet, so I've not personally had that, travel, that, that problem, but um, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, look, but even just, like, there's a resistance to wanting it or desiring it. Like, there's something wrong with wanting it. If I'm, if I'm really just intending on doing good in the world, I shouldn't also want to try and be wealthy or create abundance. Mm-hmm. And so... I just get curious about that when I talk to people like yourself who are really, really like their vision is so heart centered mm-hmm. and you're really all about I want to do something good for these people who need something. And you're you're really unique, right? Because a lot of Gen Z millennials are after like I want to make a lot of money at this time in my life. This mm-hmm. is what we're focused on. So you're really different. What do you think makes you so different that way? Why are you not centered around money? That's a good question. Well, first, I would, I would say, don't you know? No one should blame themselves themselves for wanting that or envisioning that because it's not like we just came out of the womb wanting that. Um, it's not intrinsic, but we've been socially trained to go after that and for that to be one of the primary desires that we feel as human beings, which is really incredible and sad. <laughs> um, I suppose that actually the question has kind of been put to me before. I've had some um, mentors and coaches along the way kind of get frustrated and say, why would you want to keep your part-time job working in the back of a kitchen while you start this up and, you know, grovel to to get it started instead of, you know, going the route that most people are taking these days, especially Gen Z and millennials in this space of entrepreneurship, of going for investment. And, you know, have an, have an investor give you you know, $100,000 or $500,000 and, um, you know, just live that that kind of the flashy startup life and, and get going. Like, why don't you want that? Everyone wants that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really answer that, I, I guess. I um, That question or yours, I've just, I'm not sure why. Um, it's I And I guess it's, it's about helping people, yes, and improving the lives of this group that no one seems to really care much about. Mm-hmm. 
but you know going back to building something out of nothing I think that's really what drives me more than anything and money is a good indicator of when you're doing that successfully and we need to pay our bills definitely yes there are real pressures but yeah it's not really what I you know when I think about the future of Viva Vida, I think about a nationwide, maybe even a, a global operation where we're helping so many, you know, millions of seniors. And to be able to point at that and say, I started with nothing and I've, this is what has happened. Um, that's, that's what I'm chasing, you know? Do and you feel that already? You yeah. St- yeah. Do you, I do. Do you feel like you've gotten that Mm-hmm. I do too. And you need to have some of it. It's you know, you, it's not always going to be good, but you don't want it to always be bad either. You need some validation of of either moments where you can stop and reflect and look at what you've built or where you are rewarded by, you know, in business, your customers mm-hmm. um and in the form of them paying you. And so, yes, when I was able to start paying my rent, that was a fantastic feeling. Um <laughs> yeah, that really helps. Yeah, of just no one gave this to me. I didn't have to work uh, even a job like and and do what they wanted yes, me to do. I created do. it. Yeah, to to get to receive this. Mm-hmm. I just found a way to make it appear. It feels I would imagine feels validating. It does. Yes. And the other thing that comes to mind is independence, which mm-hmm. you p- pointed out was part of what makes you feel happy or yes, brings you happiness. Definitely. Like both of those things are happening when money is received from the efforts and the energy you're putting out into the world. Yes. So what is the biggest challenge you face recently? So I think it was, uh, Ooh, I had like a pretty dark period of a few months while this transition phase was happening. And I'm sure, you know, many people kind of have a, a rough time (laughs) for me. It was maybe about late March to late June of 2019. But yeah, what was the challenge? It was deciding what I actually wanted to do with life and being confident to pursue that Mm -hmm. Um, in the face of a lot of influences, both direct and indirect saying this is stupid. Um, Really? Yes. So a lot of people saying don't do this. Initially, it was (laughs) initially they were saying don't do this. And then eventually became don't do it like that. Um, <laughs> it's like, all right, if you want to do it that badly, just, you should do it like the way we want you to. So, so you had a lot of no's out there, a lot of voices saying this is not a good idea. Yeah. So, and luckily I had enough voices saying, you know, I really, I think of my parents and, um, a particular mentor that I had this summer, Bob Vine, both telling me that, you know, it's, it's okay if you don't have it figured out, it's okay if you have to start small or grow slowly, but just, you know, this is important to you and you should pursue it. But starting out, it was um, when I decided to pursue this and really just my entire senior year kind of thinking of, I don't want to take this path that everyone is saying is the way to go. And, and which what, is what, what's that path? Name that of for that, us. the corporate track or the consulting track, or even, for me, I guess it was more specifically, it was like the the marketing corporate track, mm-hmm. um, and just say like, oh, I I cannot do that. Like I thought I could, but when it came down to it, I was like, I cannot sit there for eight hours and work on like some like hamburger campaign or something. I just I don't care. I love um, that you knew that about yourself. Well, luckily, I realized it in time. I suppose 
I entered this competition through my university, um, which resulted in us receiving the initial seed money to start Viva Vita. My team members, they had, even when they joined my team, like they had already signed contracts that September of the year before to go work at these big consulting companies, these big names after graduation. And that's great. It's like, nice to have that security. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't be happier for them and they, uh, they love what they do. So that's wonderful. But that's the first kind of indirect influence of like, what are you doing though? Um, are you really... Do you know, like, do you have a handle on this? And I imagine, like, what if it doesn't work? Yes, exactly. And then what are you going to do? So I heard a lot of people say around this time, you know, I think what I'll do is I will go work in this job for, you know, 30 years or so, 40 years, and then I'll go start, you know, when I have money, when I have more wisdom, I'll go start a business. And that, sure, that makes sense um, on paper. And, um, but... So, yeah, just some of those direct, indirect influences. And then I had even one of my close friends say, like, exactly, you know, what the likelihood is it's not going to work. And then what are you going to do? Wow. You've gone to this great school. You, you know, you can't just, like, become a failure, basically, after having these opportunities and getting to where you are. Like, think about all the people that you're going to let down. Think about how it's going to look. And she didn't say everything like that, but she basically said it in, like, this is how I would feel if I were in your position, and these are the pressures that I feel, so how can you ignore those? Don't you think that's what makes a difference between an entrepreneur and everyone else? (laughs) Like, you have to be willing to face all of that, face Mm -hmm. the, you know, this idea of failure, which we can talk about that in a minute, like what the hell is failure anyway, but you have to be willing to jump in that fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You have to. Um, Or you'll never do anything. You have to be stupid enough. You have to just want it enough. and Fearless. Yeah. I will remember one thing that someone sent to me on LinkedIn. It was actually like a very close friend there uncle sent it and i also know him they sent me on uh, this on linkedin it was a video of steve harvey um giving this talk i don't, I don't know where this was it's so random right but he was saying like you know just run and jump off that cliff and sometimes your parachute isn't going to open and you're going to fall and you're going to hit the rocks and you're going to be scraped up and bloody and but sometimes you know eventually your parachute is going to open and you're going to find your way down you're going to land on your feet and it's weird to see you know and to hear that coming and to feel goosebumps standing up on my arms yeah. while I'm looking at Steve Harvey's mustache. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> and um, um, not what I expected to come from him, but it was a really good message that I carried with me for a lot, you know, for some time after that. And was just like, yeah, I, I will. The first thing that will happen is I probably will fall and I will get the scrapes, but I guess that's just going to have to be part of it. So I'm just going to accept that and keep going. So acceptance is a big part of you know, success, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or, or your ability to be on the path to success, right? You have to accept the failures. But I want to hear from you, tell me what you think it would look like to fail. What does failure look like to you? Oh, well, I can tell you what it's looked like when I failed. I mean, like, what would failure look like to you with Viva Vida? Oh, hmm, with Viva Vida, I mean, failure could come in a number of ways. We could get overtaken by the competition we could just kind of simmer out and lose interest in this market that's probably less probable just because there is a lot of interest here Uh, i guess you know having to shut the doors on viva vita that would be failure but 
I don't think it would change the way that I feel. It would, I'm I'm no doubt I would be, you know, down for the count for a few months, probably be, that would be rough. Um, Let's not pretend. But I feel like eventually I would kind of wake up and, and feel that same fire of like, all right, let's go out, let's build something, let's find the need of the market and, and fill it so that we get paid. <laughs> you know, that's a good feeling. Yeah, that is a good so. feeling. So as you go out into the world and become a leader and an entrepreneur, who's one leader that inspires you? I think of one professor that I was actually in her class when the idea of Viva Vida was born and she's provided just an incredible amount of support and encouragement to me throughout the way. Kathy Foreman Fry. Mm. She's just uh, incredibly intelligent. She went to Harvard. She's just had a very storied background and career, has done all of these different things, has actually spent some time on the National Council of the Aging and Alzheimer's Association. So she's familiar with my world as well. But she's also a uh, part-time professor, I must assume. And um, she has her own entrepreneurial network called the Hot Mamas Project that helps other women entrepreneurs i think the terminology she uses you know is uh rewrite the rules uh to basically encounter success in business and mm. you know rewriting the rules as a woman and so i i think about that a lot um of rewriting the rules and just going out and like forcing this path mm-hmm. um whether it's not there it doesn't exist but just forcing it to appear and and to to dig that out and so i i get a lot of inspiration from her and yeah i want to be her one day basically Mm, i love that that's great i'm sure she'd appreciate hearing that we're about to she will we're about to wrap up and close i'm having so much fun talking to you thank you for your time but before we wrap up i want to know you know you've got a lot going on you're starting to adult you're an entrepreneur building this new business you've just finished school i'm sure there's so many things that are stressing you out right Mm -hmm. what is it you do for your self-care practices how do you take care of those normal everyday stresses and yeah yeah well actually I think the thing that kept me sane through graduating working jobs and working on Viva Vida and and honestly as a result of all those things I actually I lost some friendships and some other, you know, hard things happened at that time. So it was it was a rough time. And I think what really got me through it um, was I had a, a membership to the I paid like a monthly membership to the um, the Capital Bike Share. I don't know if you've seen that around since being in D.C., but, you know, different cities have the different like bike share things. Yep. And um, so, yeah, yeah. So I. Uh, I used that, and and once I bought it, then it made me actually use it. Um, I bought a monthly pass, so I would try to use it as much as possible. But like just trying to just bike around, you know, and living in D.C., it's you have no excuse not to go bike around it. It's beautiful. But yeah, just like in the evening or early in the morning, I would go over to the Jefferson Memorial Mm. or just even up to like more downtown area, different areas and neighborhoods of D.C. that I had really um, grown to love over the years and carving out time for yourself yeah definitely and so that was my practice of that I love being outside and exercise is always you know good for the brain so is that your mental health care solution exercise um 
yeah how to take care of well, your mental health no, no actually i wouldn't say exercise that would be totally out of uh off brand for me <laughs> i um but i think it's being outside for me is actually you know being in the sunshine nurtures your mental health yeah yeah 100 percent. and that's that. still what i do today like finally the weather's getting a little bit nicer again but uh, go out and try to get a hike in or something. Yeah, it's just so completely important. flips, like refreshes me. So yeah, yeah resets you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much Thank for you your so time, much. attention, for the work you're doing in the world. I think it's amazing. VR is such a great solution to these kinds of problems. And I, I so appreciate you answering the call to bring that out into the world of seniors so you can improve their well-being. Well, thank you. I, I feel really fortunate to be where I am today. So yeah. I'm excited of, of what's to come. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing what happens with Viva Vida. Wonderful. That was Carly Berryman. I hope you enjoyed her and you felt as inspired as I did. You can learn more about Carly and the work she's doing at Viva Vida. Org. That's V-I-V-A-V-I-T-A dot org. And I want to thank you, Carly. You're such an inspiration to me. Keep up the amazing work you're doing in the world. Now for a little homework. Today I'd like to offer you a gentle, sweet meditation that I learned from one of my favorite meditation teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh. And this is a loving-kindness meditation And I use it often in my life, and I think it's something that we can all use a little bit more of right now during these times. And today we're going to use it as an opportunity to call on an elder or a grandparent or a community member that we can't necessarily physically be with right now, but we can bring into our mind and our heart. And it's a simple thing. We're just going to repeat some verses But before we do so, the invitation is to gently close your eyes, straighten your spine, feel the breath moving in the body, however it's moving is just fine, and simply gather all your attention to the breath. Notice if the breath is moving easefully, fast or slow, just be in the practice of noticing and get fully into your body. Feel every cell in the body from toes to your head. Just simply notice. Now I'm going to invite you to call to mind a grandparent, a neighbor, an older person, someone from your community, someone you might see on the street. Simply bring them to mind and maybe if you're willing, even let them into your heart center. I like to imagine visualizing someone sitting, actually sitting in the center of my heart and me sort of gazing over there at them. And as you call this person to mind, whether it be someone you're very close to, 
someone you've just seen passing by in the street. Just imagine lots of space in your heart center for this person. And as you sit here, bring a gentle smile to your face. Notice how that feels. Maybe even imagine yourself smiling and glancing at this person you chose to sit in the center of your heart. Maybe they're smiling back. Maybe their eyes are shining a bit brighter. We all love to be seen. As you continue to breathe, imagining and calling to mind this person or persons, we're simply going to recite, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. Just take a deep breath. Once again, imagine this person or persons sitting before you in your heart center, lips turned up and smiling, seeing them gaze back at you and with your attention fully focused on their sparkling eyes, simply recite, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. Take another deep breath. Feeling those intentions simmering through every cell in your body. Even imagining those vibrations of those intentions reaching the person before you vibrating out and beyond them. And together one more time, nodding and smiling, looking at that person before you, opening your heart just a little bit bigger. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. Taking another deep breath in. Just feel what it feels like in your body when you're wishing someone happiness, health, and ease from your heart. Simply feel what that vibration feels like in your body. Maybe bookmark it. And as you're going about your days and your moments and the weeks ahead and the months ahead, use this mantra as you're passing people by in the street, as you're speaking to your elders, your grandparents, your parents on the phone. And remember in the back of your mind, we're all wanting to be happy, to be healthy, 
and for our lives to be at ease. And if you find yourself frustrated or in a moment of difficulty, you can always bring that mantra back to yourself. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be at ease. And of course, in those moments of frustration with our elders as they always arise, because this is a time for us to build and cultivate patience and empathy and compassion and understanding, we can always call upon these words. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. We can play them like a little ticker tape in the back of our mind when we're interacting with our elders. Because I know if you're anything like me, sometimes we get impatient. And I use that to remind myself that we're all just doing the best we can. So I hope this is helpful to you in this time. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. University's executive producer is Tyler Green of thestoryproducer.com. This podcast is also produced and edited by Katie Clarkson. The university team also includes Marsha Craig, Ashwath Narayanan from Culture Media, Adam Harris, and Kim Redding. University is a production of Bring It Home, founded by Anne-Marie Chiresso. You can find out more at A-N-N-M-A-R-I-E-C-H-E-R-E-S-O dot me or follow us at Anne Marie Chiresso on Instagram. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast app and write us a review. It really does help us have more of an impact in the world. Thanks so much for listening in, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Initially, they were saying, don't do this, and then eventually became, don't do it like that.